everyone. Welcome to Game Studies Review. It's cold. It's, it's very cold. Really, really fucking cold. We're just going to hey, mark hey. this explicit from the beginning. Mark it explicit. It's so, that cold. I was ice fishing. It's explicitly cold. Oh, well, that, that'll do it. It's really cold out there. Uh, what do we got on deck today? Amazing, wonderful, fantastic Cody Reimer. Oh, too kind. Uh, we have uh, an amazing, wonderful, fantastic article uh, by VG Huang and uh, T. Leo called Gamifying Contentious Politics, Gaming Capital and Playful Resistance. It is like brand spanking new 2022 games and culture uh, hot off the press. Um, mm-hmm. And it is quite good. Uh, they kind of take a crack at how gamification shows up in social movements. Um, and they look specifically at how it's used in um, kind of contentious um, activist places that are non-democratic um, places, specifically so, China. Full, full disclosure, have you heard of uh, contentious politics as a, as a thing before reading this article? Uh, like as an academic concept? Yeah, as a concept. Um, n- I don't know. No, I have not. I hadn't either. And a, I, ca- I kept being bothered by its usage. And I'm like, I, I don't understand. They're talking as if this is a thing. And I, I looked it up and it's a it's a real thing. Um, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Books. There's all sorts of stuff. And essentially, so for those of you who maybe come from uh, academic backgrounds like us who hadn't heard about it, it's essentially looking at disruption politics. So contentious politics okay. is looking at their whole jam is like a way to disrupt whatever subversive subversive disruptive yeah um, usually in a political manner so in, what in what my discipline head, I do, is it from what's that what discipline is it from uh political science political science cool all right yeah. that makes sense yeah absolutely so um for those listeners i had to yeah. keep putting disruption in when i read contentious because that didn't make any sense to me so anyway oh. keep rocking uh, they write, um, they have two specific questions. I'll read them verbatim. Quote, how has the gamification of contentious politics taken shape in non-Western and non-democratic contexts? And how have local social movement actors come to learn and apply gameplay in their daily work? End quote. Uh, to answer that, they um, conduct a study, and that study combines Bordeaux's work on social movements with Consalvo's gaming capital to understand how social movement actors use gaming capital to organize and mobilize uh, social movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're kind of saying that previous studies that looked at this sort of gamification of politics and of uh, this kind of disruptive or contentious politics uh, does so from a predominantly Western and democratic context. And so their value is in applying it and studying it in in China, in non-Western, non-democratic. And looking at the, the way to game as uh, political disruption, as a political movement is all up in game studies right now. This is a hot vein that we have seen pop up many, many times on the podcast Um if you if you ever if you listen to the play like a feminist um mm-hmm. article uh, book interview so that was the whole the whole second half of the book was about talking about um coalition of women gamers to create change so really looking at games to create change so it's right tied in with that if you're if you stay on top of game study scholarship this is one to mark absolutely um they they name gameplay's value and explicitly kind of that way 
for uh, contentious politics. Um, they identified or link it with playful resistance and nod to the conversations surrounding games' ability to be used for social resistance and its indebtedness to capitalism. Uh, but then they also explain that if games can address social issues, uh, they can playfully and, and safely shape collective identity and provide space uh, to identify oppressive structures and to reflect, and that games can operate as a place to practice and rehearse contentious skills and competencies, and to also serve as a means of publicizing oppositional knowledge. Uh, so they conducted uh, what they characterized as a long-term ethnographic uh, fieldwork in, I uh, apologize for my pronunciation, I didn't do my due diligence, uh, uh, Guangzhou and Shenzhen, um, which they identify as one of the centerpieces of contemporary China's civil society, mm -hmm. end quote, uh, and the, quote, center of the translocal social movement networks, end quote. Mm -hmm. And this ethnographic fieldwork included a whole bunch of, uh, of work and research, including participant observation, interviews with activists and practitioners and volunteers, and various other group building and organizing activities. And then finally, they interviewed designers of a popular feminist role-playing game called Anti-PUA Investigation, and the PUA stands for Pickup Artists, which um, is a kind of delightful, delightful is the wrong word, delightful from uh, like a scholastic, you know, perspective, but a, a good, a productive, we'll say productive example. Um, yes, it so, is not productive. It is not delightful at all. It's quite no. It's horrific. horrifying. It's pretty it's horrifying. Horrific. I mean, delightful in like I was like, wow, yeah, this totally makes sense. And I've seen these sorts of veins of like pickup artistry. You yeah. know, the currents of that sort of thinking um, show up in you know Western society as well. And so to to see it how it's showing up in um in china it was was interesting yeah they I guess had I they say. just had absolutely fabulous um examples that show each of these three um things that you're about to talk about uh yeah so they present from this research three case studies uh or three cases rather cases, for how yeah. games can function as playful resistance uh the first is um games as action tactic and this is a uh in a case of a puzzle solving game that when played and solved reveals censored information about a labor organizer's arrest mm -hmm. um, because when it was publicized previously, it was censored and shut down and nobody could see the kind of narrative about what was happening, why they were arrested and what, what was going on. So um, they made a puzzle to get that information up. The second case is games as pedagogical mechanism. For example, role-playing, disclosing sexual orientation to parents, um, and doing kind of points-based gamification of social scenarios to work ice through breakers. icebreakers and things like that. Um, the third case is um, games as civic education. And this was the case of the PUA pickup artist game uh, with the designers who brought attention to gender politics by critiquing the kind of growing, growing in popularity PUA practices and tactics mm -hmm. in China. Uh, and these cases led the authors to identify two types of gaming capital. Uh, quote, one is the technical competencies required to design games. The other is the cultural capacity to imagine social movements through game design, end quote. And so these are the kind of primary contributions that I 
recognize or understand mm-hmm. is coming from the article is this um, new way of more robustly um, and richly understanding gaming capital and these cases that help situate games as kind of social practice and activism. Uh, they write, quote, in non-democratic contexts like mainland China, where surveillance, control, and crackdowns on civil society, organizations, and contentious actions are a daily occurrence. Elements of gameplay offer social resistance and its pedagogy a subtle, safe disguise, end quote. And that kind of nicely encapsulated why games are valuable in, in what they're recognizing going on. Um, is because gameplay doesn't just disguise, you know, uh, subversion, but makes it subtle and also palatable and safe. Um, And they do a really good job of exploring why that is given China's history with gaming. Um, And so it was, it was a delightful article. It's, there were some um, things that I know that you will take. um, Yeah, I'm all over it. Issue with. So why don't you talk about. I will say like you're right on. And I think the, the brilliance of this article is, is the context in which they're talking about. And actually that, that is actually one of the first gaps that I wanted to talk about is I felt like the implications for the research was really understated. There was so much, so many rich conclusions that could have been drawn and the authors sort of give, give the examples and, um, write about, you know, a little bit about like the implications of this in this specific area, yeah. but like the examples. And if, and if you read any part of this article, I would read the infusing games and gameplay elements into playful resistance, which are the three cases. There's, they're just so rich. There's so much going on there, um, that I thought could have been like a, a uppercut. And it was just, it was pretty subtle. I thought the implications drawn out were pretty subtle. So I would have loved to see, that more stated more um and more and more and more and more i thought like i thought they could have just gone all over but that they spent five years doing this research right and interviewed tons of people they have tons of work i'm quite sure that this is not the only article that we're going to get from them um yeah i'm i haven't looked but i plan to to see what else they've published um because i like this article a lot and i want to see what else there has looked like maybe 10 articles in 2021 is so much stuff. I was just quickly zipping through yeah. um, to see the background they were coming from and they both were coming from and she has published so much. So I'm sure we're going to see more. I'm sure we're going to see more on this. Um, Do you think that the subtlety of this article is intentional and aligned with the subtle subversiveness of play that they are exploring? I had that exact same thought. And I don't know nearly enough about censorship in China to say one way or another, um, but it could have been political. It could have been cultural. It could have been part yeah. of the gamifying of this whole thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it's not, it wasn't as subtle. I just, you know, I, I thought there could have been hugely important ramifications drawn from the examples here. Uh also, um, the couching it, there was a lot of academies at the beginning that you kind of have to slog through to get to the meat of the article. And this is probably just going to keep being my criticism over and over and over and over on every academic article ever, because I'm really sick of that. So um, you like it sometimes, though. You like the hedging and the nods and 
not a big I, I mean i i think there are cases to be made for um articles that drop some of the pretense and engage in more plain language um and are i i don't know punchier for it i thought um, maybe i'm still but, just high from the megna giant thing we did a couple oh, weeks ago oh, yeah it was because so, that was just like so like goosebumps but as uh, you said she's not an academic right uh true and uh the other the other thing is is i'm not sure about the format of the study they didn't give us a ton on methodology except that they participated in, in it over five years they called it an ethnography i just thought like i was there was very little detail given about they listed, you know, all of the constituent elements of the ethnography. I think I even mentioned it. They did um, the field work that included interviews yeah. and um, uh, they uh, had participant observation. They were practitioners and volunteers. They did group building and organizing activities. They didn't belabor it. There wasn't like an explicit here are our methods, methods, heading, methods section. I guess I would have but... like it's that seems very messy. And I think Leao even started one of the groups they ended up studying. If I remember yeah, it seeing that like in it. there, it just yeah. seemed very messy. And I would have liked a little bit I mean, like hey, ethnography this was super is messy, messy, isn't it? But what's that? Ethnography is messy, isn't it? I suppose so. This is super messy. It's, you know, we, we're totally, I, this is, this Do you is want them like to hedge a, more Alex. I'm teaching, I'm teaching about how to read studies in one of my classes. And I'm like okay. teaching about this sort of thing right now and how to not pretend like we have objectivity because we don't. Sure. And so you want them to hedge more and in, engage in more academic maneuvers that clarify how they're coming to their knowledge. Is yeah, that what I you're saying? So. Alex? Well, I think, I think dropping <laughs> the pretense that it, is like some perfect study or something and being I like, don't yeah, think they had that pretense we at all in there. What's that? I don't think they had that pretense at all, but okay. continue. Well, there you go. Tell me about how delightful PUAs are again, Cody. <laughs> uh, they're a delightful example to show the robustness of games as um, civic education um, and to kind of critique uh, the, the, um, the gender problems that are happening there, the gender practices, mm -hmm. uh, the gender politics, as they call it. Mm -hmm. And so games and civic education, um, interviewing the designers of that was delightful. I think the designers had a lot to say to explain how they came to the game as it existed from previous iterations. I and loved so that. I loved that. That was that was that example was delightful. The okay. subject of it was, you know, obviously bad and fraught. Um, but I think it was uh, one of the strongest parts of the article. No, I'm just teasing because you chose a bad word. We can trade barbs. <laughs> uh, so anyway, there what did you, what did you love awesome. about it? The There's a ton of good stuff. There aren't really any serious gaps in it. Um, we want more. That's when you, when the article is good. That's the biggest gap. It's like I want more. Give yeah. me more of this. I would write, bet there, write more I bet so I can read it. More. There's a lot more to say. We know you can say it. Uh, yeah. There wasn't space here, but yeah, I going. loved it. It was thought provoking. It tapped into um, this undercurrent of anti capitalist uh, anti capitalism in gaming that I'm wanting more and wanting more and wanting more about ever since uh, listening to that giant. Uh, uh, speech and uh, slash reading the article. Um, I, I just thought that I thought this was great and I want to keep reading about it. Um, I can see how the implications of this would, could rock any place you put it. Yeah. Yeah. Using games um, in this way. Very, very great. Good stuff. 
I mean, like, games are powerful. I think it's almost like a roadmap for the things that we could do in games, you know? Uh, I would wonder what, who we are and how you Readers. mean do. Readers. But, I mean, like looking at the way you can get information through in this playful way. Um, I mean, we're, we're already doing that. Game. What's that? Like, uh, I mean, anybody, Moli anybody Industria, Paolo Petrocini is, is doing that. I mean, pe- people are doing that. And this yeah, I just, gives us uh, some great I language. I just read to... uh, um, Kichona Gray's intro and she talks about Herana, like, yeah, like we, that kind we of... talked about Herana when we talked about her article last time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of subversive, that kind of playful resistance, dis- disruptive, contentious politics. Um yeah. They, they write, uh, playful resistance relies largely upon the effective integration between gameplay elements and protest content, end mm-hmm. quote. And I think that that's a wonderfully concise way to explain why, um, you know, games are powerful at kind of subversion in these ways. Um, and they identify threats to playful resistance as coming from, uh, quote, intensifying political control combined with strong profit-driven outlook in, end quote, the games industry. So, you know, heavier-handed censorship and, you know, an industry that's being kind of uh, really impacted by capitalism mm-hmm. means that extractive models for gaming um, have a strong inertia and that these are threats to playful resistance. But I noted that a lot of the, what they talked about um, were games that were not distinctly or only intrinsically video games. Yeah. Right. Which is an important distinction to make and one that they didn't necessarily drive at um, as, as much as maybe would benefit. Um, but hmm. it doesn't take... Um, a video game to do what they're talking about, right? They talked about the role-playing kind of uh, Yeah, I was in concerned person, when their like, first example was an icebreaker, and I was like, ah, is this going to be an article where they just talk about kind of game-like things that people can do in meetings or whatever? No, they but talked they, about they don't. They, do, they get all up in they different talked about, uh mm-hmm. They talk about using existing game platforms to yep. um, basically kind of, um, uh, you know, distribute games... Um, for for these subversive purposes yep. where you're you know using popular platforms for game building to make your own subversive games which makes um, you worried it sounds like from your next well section. yeah so i mean there's I, I have some more things i love i i love that they suggest incorporating games education into kind of programs um for social movement kind of pedagogy i think that's that strikes me as particularly savvy Um, I love this line. They write, quote, in short, because playful resistance challenges both the logic of authoritarian rule and the capitalist logic of the games industry, its sustainability is inevitably constrained by both statist and capitalist logic, Mm. end quote. And I don't love that sentiment, but I think it nicely captures what they were trying to say um, in those threats to playful resistance. But um, there were. I wonder how we can evade state censorship when the practices are linked to a single platform. They talk about how like um, 
Well, quote, as such, establishing some nonprofit open source game design platforms dedicated to the movement community is of high importance if we wish to sustain playful resistance into the future while also challenging the dominant capitalist logic of the commercially driven games industry, end quote. So they're saying we want to make a platform where we can do all this work. But I mean, how do you evade state censorship when all of that work is linked to a single platform, right? It seems like you need to be more distributed and agile um, in how you co-opt existing platforms and how you write are subtle in in the work. Yeah. So I, I would like to see that explored more um, in what they mean when they write that. But they, they that- do disclose uh, funding from um, a couple different places, but one China's popular music under platform ecosystem. So they're, I think making a platform is part of their work. Um, sure. And I, so. I, if, if that works, that's great. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to see thinking, writing scholarship on, uh, the considerations of how that single platform that is potentially being used for these, um, purposes, evade state censor- censorship if if the play and the games are just so subtle that the subversion is overlooked um if that's the expectation but if like all of the games coming out of the single platform are all subversive then wouldn't that platform just get shut down i don't know, I don't know. it's a good but it, it's it's that was really the only thing that kind of made me scratch my my uh chin and go hmm i i I would like to see that, that addressed, but it's a great article. Yeah. Um, did you have any kind of hmm moments? Well, I did the gaps. Those were my hmm moments. Those were your herms. What? Yeah. Why don't you give us the bottom line? Yeah, I think bottom line, um, this hits on several tenants that are growing in popularity in the game industry, particularly anti-capitalism and gaming and the connections there, and then gaming for disruption as a political movement. So if you are interested in either of those things, which I think many people in game studies are, this is worth a read, particularly going through their examples in the section that I mentioned earlier, um, where they go through their cases. I think that has a huge impact and we can learn a lot from it. So I, I want to I read more. I think you should read this. Um, Boom. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good Great stuff. bottom line. Bottom line. All right. Uh, email us, gamestudiesreview at gmail.com. Uh, hit Cody up on Twitter. And thanks for uh, listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And stay warm.